this is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 172-inch. On this episode, we dig deep into my radio show archives and share part two of my interview with Dr. Demento, back from 2015. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al it's a podcast about Weird Al. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Wow, it sure has been a crazy few weeks, hasn't it? Oh, I'll say. First of all, the world premiere of Weird, the Al Yankovic story happened on September 8th at the Toronto International Film Festival. And Ethan, you and I were both there. Yes, Dave, both you and I were fortunate enough to secure tickets to the midnight premiere. And we got to finally see the film we've been anxiously awaiting since we first learned about it. Oh, so many months ago. Now, tickets to this premiere were really tough to get. So we are so glad that we were both able to make that happen. And then as this wonderful treat, as if this film was not enough, we also attended the matinee screening the following day. It was an insane, crazy, super Canadian couple of days. And besides seeing Weird the Al Yankovic story twice in like less than 12 hours, immediately after the premiere, we we're also treated to a Q&A with the director, Eric Appel. Evan Rachel Wood, who plays Madonna, Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Weird Al, and Weird Al himself! It was so awesome. And then the next day, right after the matinee, we were treated to yet another Q&A with Eric and Ethan. You actually got to ask him a question. Yes, I certainly did. But my question was a little spoilery, so we're not going to talk about that now. But we plan to talk all about our spoiler-free adventures in Canada and the events leading up to, during, and following the world premiere of Weird the Al Yankovic Story in a future episode, so stay tuned. And until the film is officially released on Roku, you can count on Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast to remain spoiler-free. But let me tell you, once that film is officially released, we have some really, really fun stuff planned. So you want to stay tuned for that as well. And now that we've seen the film, we have some words of advice. We recommend not seeking out and reading every review and article and teaser that comes out about the film. Yeah, stop watching that amazing and incredible trailer 27 times per day and do not seek out any bootlegs or spoilers. We just recommend going into the film knowing as little as possible for the fullest enjoyment. And trust us, it will really pay off when you finally do get to see that film. All right, Ethan, do you think you can sum up the film for everyone in three spoiler-free words or less? Yes, it was... Pretty stinking majestic. Oh, I totally agree, but that is technically six words. Oh, you're right. So I, um, no, I can't. Stay tuned for more about our trip to Canada to see the world premiere of Weird the Al Yankovic Story on a future episode and expect more from us about Weird the Al Yankovic Story when it's appropriate. But Ethan, that's not the end of your Weird Al ventures, is it? No, it wasn't. As soon as we got back from Canada, I pretty much had to turn right around and head out to California to catch five more shows from Weird Al's The Unfortunate Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour. I went to Riverside, Paso Robles, Temecula, Santa Clarita, Thousand Oaks, 
Oh, I'm exhausted, Dave. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a wonderful trip. Oh, I hope you had fun without me. I'm really sorry to say, Dave, but I had a ton of fun, but without you. I, I wish you were there, but it was pretty stinking majestic. All the shows were incredible. I will say one thing, since I was there to observe it. All but one of the shows I saw featured Steve J's son, Miles J, playing the bass. Wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah, Steve has some medical issues going on with his hand, and his doctor recommended he let it rest up for a few days. So Miles stepped in for him, and the four shows I saw, he was incredible. He did a great job. It was really spectacular seeing him up on stage. And there were certain songs where I was really wondering if he could pull it off. And I'll tell you, Dave, he certainly did. Wow, that's so great to hear. What an amazing experience. And how great must it be for Miles to be up there on stage playing with an incredible band that his father has been with for nearly 40 years. Yes, Al mentioned that Miles told him it was like performing with all of his uncles up on stage. Because <laughs> <laughs> they knew him since he was a baby. Sure. So I'll have a lot more about that when you hear the bonus episodes from those concerts. But Dave, I wanted to tell you about something else. I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Yeah, I saw your live Instagram about it. That must have been really cool. Tell us a little bit about that. I was so thrilled that I got to go up to Paso Robles, which was only about 30 minutes outside of San Luis Obispo. So I knew if I was passing through, I had to stop in and try to visit the bathroom and do everything I could. So <laughs> yeah, I had the idea to do the Instagram live and, and do a little tour and tried to connect you on so you could be on video and, and ask questions and almost get arrested like I did again. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was like 18 minutes of me showing off the bathroom and walking around the halls and I go to the new radio station and uh, there's a lot of fun stuff that happens there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's up on our Instagram page at 2000 inch. If you want to check that out, definitely cool. And Ethan, I'm so glad that you actually went into the, building legally this time so they did not have to call the campus police on you yes the door was open this time but like i mentioned in that little teaser there may have been a little bit of a run-in so be sure to check that out if you want to see uh the full adventure <laughs> wow ethan all that sounds absolutely amazing i am extremely jealous that you got to go to california and have all that fun without me and i'm really excited to hear all about your adventures on our upcoming ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes Yes, our intern Frank will get those episodes up first for our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash 2000inch as soon as possible, and I'm sure he'll then eventually upload them for everyone else. Ooh, I cannot wait. Well, I'm glad you had fun, but there has been a lot of Weird Al news that's been going on recently, so let's see what's happening now and what's happening in Weird Al-related news. What's happening in Weird Al related news is brought to you in part by Well, Well, Well and the true legends of the once great forum, Wowway. In accordance with support for the rights of gays and LGBTQ plus and people who wash their hands regularly. Thanks, Mark Heidenreich, for this sponsorship. The U.S. premiere of Weird the Al Yankovic Story has been announced, and it will take place on October 6th in Santa Monica, California, as part of Beyond Fest. The premiere will be followed by a screening of Weird Al's first feature-length movie, UHF, on film, which according to Weird Al is the only surviving 35mm print in existence. If that's not exciting enough, there will also be a Q&A with past guest and friend of the podcast, Erica Pell, moderated by past guest and friend of the podcast, Jonah Ray. Wait, Jonah Ray at a UHF screening? 
where have we seen that before? Now, I'm not completely sure, Dave, but I just have a sudden urge to listen to episode 39-inch and episode 40-inch of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Well, the U.S. premiere of Weird the Al Yankovic Story sure is a hot ticket because tickets sold out in less than one minute. It was incredible. Hopefully someone at the Roku channel is taking notice and will get some sort of theatrical release of the film. Now, with some of the very few who have actually seen this film in a theater, both Dave and I agree that as many people as possible deserve to see it in theaters. Now, sadly, I will personally not be able to attend the U.S. premiere of Weird the Al Yankovic Story, but I have a really good reason. I'll be seeing Weird Al perform at the Graceland Soundstage in Memphis, Tennessee that very same day. Oh no, Dave. So instead of watching the film for a third time, you'll have to watch Weird Al perform live and in person at the home of your Nick namesake and one of your musical heroes, Elvis Presley? I'm so sorry to hear that, Dave. If I end up going, I'll definitely pour out a blueberry daiquiri in your honor. Thank you, Ethan. That means a lot. Well, as long as we're on the subject of Weird the Al Yankovic Story, the movie now has its very own Twitter account, so be sure to follow at BeWeird for the latest updates on the movie. And that's not all the news about Weird the Al Yankovic Story, because the film won its first major award last Sunday, September 18th. Weird the Al Yankovic Story beat out nine other films to take home the People's Choice Midnight Madness Award at the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival, a.k.a. TIFF. Here's what director Eric Appel, who was not able to be there in person to accept the award, emailed the Toronto International Film Festival for his acceptance speech. Eric's statement reads... Wow, I never in a million years thought that our satire of traditional awards films would actually win an award itself. It really is true what they say. There is no better audience than Midnight Madness at TIFF. Our film is a lean into your own weirdness and being a vehicle for finding your own happiness. And I am beyond thrilled that everyone had as fun watching it that we had making it. I am incredibly grateful for our partners at Roku, Funny or Die, Tango, Daniel, Evan, our amazing and hardworking cast and crew, and last but not least, the weird one himself, Al Yankovic, for allowing us to tell his real, accurate, and 100% true story of his life. If you wish to check out the award ceremony for yourself, you can do so over on the TIFF YouTube page. Fast forward to about 46 minutes in for the good part. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, congratulations to everyone involved with Weird the Al Yankovic story, especially those incredibly hardworking and good-looking background actors, on the first of what we know will be many awards to come. In other news, there has been an update to the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. The four tour dates in May that were postponed due to Weird Al testing positive for COVID-19 have finally been rescheduled. Those rescheduled shows take place in Nashville, Indiana, Springfield, Illinois, Saginaw, Michigan, and Detroit, Michigan, and have been rescheduled for February 3rd through February 7th, 2023. If you already had purchased tickets for these original shows, your tickets will be good for the makeup shows. However, if you can no longer attend, please contact the venue's box office ASAP for your options. 
As of this recording, limited tickets are still available to these rescheduled shows, so please check weirdal.com for additional information. As far as we know, these are the only four U.S. tour dates scheduled for next year. Recently, the New York Times released a full-length article about Weird the Al Yankovic story featuring Daniel Radcliffe and Weird Al Yankovic. The article was written by Dave Itzkoff and includes an interview with Daniel and Al, as well as quotes from director Eric Appel, plus some really fun new pictures of Daniel and Al together, as photographed by Sina Nasseri. The article is available online on the nytimes.com website, as well as in the print edition of the Sunday, September 11th paper. In other news related to the dying industry of print media, the September 19th issue of In Touch features a picture montage that has a picture of Daniel Radcliffe dressed as Weird Al and asks the question, do they look like the person they are playing? Included along with the picture of Daniel is an old school picture of classic Weird Al, in case you forgot what he looks like. Well, if you were to ask us how we feel about Daniel playing and looking like Al, we think he did a pretty stinking majestic job. And In Touch is not the only magazine to include a picture of Weird Al and Daniel. The September 26th issue of People has a picture of Daniel and Al on the uh, striped carpet at the world premiere of Weird the Al Yankovic Story from the Toronto International Film Festival. In the caption for the picture, Daniel talks about working with Al and says... It was very intimidating in a way to be on set with him. He was very patient with me. Well, being that the film Weird the Al Yankovic Story got a lot of buzz at the Toronto International Film Festival and continues to get buzz everywhere, be on the lookout for Daniel and Al's name and image to appear elsewhere over the next couple weeks and months. If you happen to catch any pictures of Weird Al or mentions of him or the film out in the wild, please share it with us and let us know. Our good friends Blair Freeman, Joe Jaffa, and William King have already found Weird Al mentions out in the wild and grabbed them for our collections. You guys rock. Thank you. Now, we heard some rumors that there will be an exclusive Mark Fredrickson cover for the upcoming The Illustrated Al, The Songs of Weird Al Yankovic. So keep your eyes peeled for that. For those wondering where they've seen Mark's artwork before, he illustrated the cover of the June 2015 issue of Mad Magazine, which is the one where Weird Al is the special guest editor. And he also drew the artwork that is used on the VIP poster for the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. The Jackson Park Espresso Medium Roast Coffee that was previously only available on tour is now being offered through the merchandise shop at WeirdAl.com. The 12-ounce bag is available in both whole bean and ground and costs $15, which is the same selection and price as on tour. However, shipping costs do apply when ordering online. Now, Dave and I are not coffee drinkers, though we did try it on a secret episode for our Patreon supporters, but our friends who are coffee drinkers do seem to like it quite a bit. So if you want to try it and can't make it out to a concert, or you just need your coffee fix, head on over to WeirdL.com and pick up a bag, or 27. And finally, we have some sad news to report. Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of the United Kingdom and other Commonwealth realms, passed away on September 8th at the age of 96. 
Though Her Majesty the Queen was not directly referenced in the Weird Al song Buckingham Blues, the song does satirize the lifestyle of her eldest son, the then Prince of Wales and now King Charles III, as well as his then-wife, the Princess of Wales, Diana. Weird Al has also been known to perform a live cover version of the Sex Pistols song God Save the Queen, which critiques Queen Elizabeth II. Weird Al also shares the screen with Her Majesty the Queen on at least one occasion, including a fictional character of her in the 1989 comedy The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. Ethan and myself are deeply saddened by this loss as Queen Elizabeth II held a special, important role behind the scenes at Dave Nathan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. From all of us here at Dave Nathan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, we extend our condolences to the entire royal family and the millions she has touched and would like to sincerely thank Her Majesty the Queen for all that she has contributed to Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast over the years. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla, Burrito Burrito, and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito! Or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger, feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. And now it's time for what's happening in Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West-related news! For the past few episodes, we have been reporting that the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West had some big news to share, and it finally dropped in the form of an exclusive online club called Kimo's Corner. A brand new feature on his website, jimkimowest.com, Kimo's Corner has tons of awesome benefits, including previously unavailable music, including rarities and soundtracks, videos of live performances and behind-the-scenes on tour, both solo and with Weird Al. Plus, there's merchandise discounts, private monthly live events, and much, much more. Kimo offers two subscription options, a monthly subscription of $9.99 per month or a yearly subscription for $69.99. But if you join before Friday, September 23rd, 2022, you'll save $20 off the annual Chemo's Corner rate and pay only $49.99 for the whole year. So sign up now before the price increases. Membership also includes a free ticket to Chemo's annual virtual holiday show. Plus, you get a coupon code that you can use right now for 50% off any music or merchandise from his online store. It is a great deal, and Ethan and myself have both joined already. For more details and to sign up, Check out JimKemoWest.com. This is a special hamster alert to the Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast broadcast alert system sponsored by Jack Bateman. Let me tell you this. Did you know there's a new show on Disney and Disney Plus called Hamster and Gretel? No, I had no idea. Well, let me tell you this. I think you will find certain elements quite Suspicious. Suspicious, you say? Okay, go on. So it's a cartoon about a little girl and her hamster, and they have superpowers. Well, I'm sure that's just a coincidence. I'm sure the hamster does not wear a cape and fly around. Well, let me tell you this. The hamster wears a cape and flies around. Blasphemy! They're copying off Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Unless the show creator has no idea who Weird Al is, and that's just a coincidence. 
Well, let me tell you this. The show is by Dan Povenmeyer, the guy behind Milo Murphy's Law, the cartoon that Weird Al stars in. Well, that does it. Wow, I cannot believe it. I'm sure you're not going to now tell me something about the show that sounds suspiciously like it was lifted from our podcast. Well, let me tell you this. There's a character voiced by Matt Jones, a.k.a. Badger from Breaking Bad. We just talked about him with Eric Capel. Well, let me tell you this. Matt Jones' character is named Dave. That does it. I'm taking this Disney to court. That is all for this episode's very important special hamster alert via the Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast broadcast alert system. All right, now let's check out what's happening in John Bermuda Schwartz-related news. Last week, John Bermuda Schwartz dropped a fun infomercial for his upcoming book, Lights, Camera, Accordion, eye-popping photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1981 through 2006. The video clip is chock-full of fun Easter eggs and features a rare whimsical instrumental version of Weird Al's Since You've Been Gone, previously unseen images from the book, and is narrated by Bermuda himself. And that's not all! The phone number used at the bottom of the infomercial is a call-in number for Call and Oats, an emergency helpline to get your Hall and Oats fix. Oh, that wacky Bermuda. If you haven't seen it yet, we encourage you to watch it. But in the meantime, since we are an audio podcast, let's take a listen right now. Hi, John Bermuda Schwartz here. Welcome to my second book, Lights, Camera, Accordion. It's a 256-page collection of my color film photos of Weird Al and the band spanning 25 years. I almost always had a camera with me in the studio, on video sets, on tour, and I captured a lot of behind-the-scenes images. Most of them turned out pretty good. In this book, you'll see video shots, studio shots, live shots, close personal friends, private getaways, Al does the robot, tour bus antics, shirtless Al, hairless Al, Al sleeping uncomfortably, Weird Al, phone home, hot tubs, that time we opened for the monkeys, Al's morning kids show, selfies, one degree of Kevin Bacon, Al loves the twine ball, ice cream eating contests, banana eating contests, pizza pizza, Al sharing bills with flea markets, word crimes on Amish Paradise, and Drew Carey. Thanks for checking out my new book, and thank you for your never-ending support for Al and the band for more than four decades. Ooh, I love that rare audio. Hold on, Dave, I'm going to go to 1984publishing.com and order a book right now. And speaking of Bermuda's photographs, one of these famed photos appears in the brand new book by Vincent Patterson called Icons and Instincts, Choreographing and Directing Entertainment's Biggest Stars. If Vincent's name sounds familiar, we talk a lot about Vincent in our black and white and weird all over bonus episode series where we go picture by picture with John Bermuda Schwartz through his first book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Now, Vincent is a world-renowned director and choreographer and has worked with the likes of Michael Jackson, Madonna, and Weird Al, among others. In fact, Vincent was the choreographer for Weird Al's Eat It video, and he plays one of the gang leaders in the video itself. We're definitely looking forward to checking out Vincent's brand new book. But most of all, we're looking forward to checking out Bermuda's picture. Of course, get the book wherever books are sold. Or like, you know, Amazon, probably. Ethan, back on episode 171 inch of Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast, we dug deep into your archives to air part one of your interview with the legendary Dr. Demento that you recorded with him way back in August 2015. 
It was so awesome to hear all about how he came up with his name, meeting a young Weird Al Yankovic, and the definitive origin of his iconic top hat. I know our listeners would love to hear the rest of the interview. What do you say? I say let's listen to it. I'm so excited for everyone to hear this interview that I recorded, I don't know, seven years ago? I don't know how to do math. With the great Dr. Demento for the (laughs) final episode of my former radio show, Alternative to Sleeping with Ethan Allman. It was such a blast recording it. It was so much fun getting to listen to it again back on episode 171 inch. So I hope everyone enjoys the finale of my interview with Dr. Demento. Okay, let's hear part two of Ethan's interview with Dr. Demento from August 2015. Now, you still have uh, the uh, some of the earlier tapes, including the uh, the infamous Dr. D Superstar song. Um, oh, oh, yes, yes. Are those ever, are some of the, the, the ones that haven't been aired ever going to be out there? Is there any kind of plans to uh, release them? Well, uh, I don't know about Dr. D Superstar, but uh, a good many otherwise unreleased uh, Weird Al cuts, uh, demos, and uh, a few songs that were never put on regular records. Uh, Some of them came out on some CDs that we used to do for our fan club called Dr. Domeno's Basement Tapes. And uh, if you want to know about those, you can... can, well, one way to kind of get introduced to the world of dementia is to go on Facebook and look for the official Dr. Demento Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So uh, anybody can contribute to that and anybody can look at that. And I often answer questions on that page. And uh, it's a way of keeping up with the show and uh, people can ask me about my old stuff. The old Dr. Demento basement tapes, we cannot really sell those commercially, but if you join the Demento Society, you, you can acquire some of those. We, mm-hmm. That's kind of a, a little secret that we have. Oh, that's great. I've always been so curious about Dr. D Superstar. Is there any reason in particular that it was not uh, included on a basement tape, or is, is there anything about that song? No. Uh, I guess uh, maybe I didn't quite feel it was going to be a real theme song of mine. Mm -hmm. Al was not a star, remember, at that time. He was just a guy who sent me tapes. And that was fun. I mean, maybe I'll bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to hear it. (laughs) Okay. I think he would agree that it was not the best thing he ever did. And so Al is not not very enthusiastic about my letting some of his (laughs) real early stuff get out. Yeah, as you might understand, I mean, he was yeah, just starting absolutely. out. Yeah. His career was trial and error at first, like anybody's. It's, it's I'm not absolutely, saying that was an error, but... <laughs> it's definitely interesting to hear those. It's it's fun to hear, you know, I understand where Al wouldn't want to be out there, but I think the super fans are really interested in that kind of stuff. And I think yes, uh, right. I think it's really great yeah. that you've released what you have. It's really cool to have those mm-hmm. out there. Now, you... Um, you recorded uh, shaving cream. Uh, you put that right. out a few times, and you would mm-hmm. perform it. Was there any other songs that you had recorded or performed? No, not really. No, because that I'm not really a singer, as you can tell from hearing that. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of within my limited range, and it also 
because I could make up new verses for it all the time. Right. Uh, that, that was a, a logical thing for me to do rather than just trying to sing something that somebody else had sung better. If I could uh, do new verses to it, uh, <laughs> that added some interest to it. It's, so I'd often make up, uh, if, if uh, I, when, I sang, when I performed in Albany, I probably made up a verse that was uh, related to something that was going on around there at that time. Uh, oh, that's great. I can't great. remember it now, but yeah, but I do <laughs> stuff like that. When, when you would uh, tour with Weird Al, would you, would you just sing shaving cream or what other kind of stuff would you do? Oh, I, I play music from the show. Oh, Okay. That's like, basically what I it, I do a half hour miniature version of the Doctor Demento show. Okay. So so I'd be I'd be introducing I'd mostly play the hits from the show. I'd play condensed versions of Fish Heads and Dead Puppies and uh, uh, there'd be there'll be a little Zappa, a little Spike Jones. It's kind mm-hmm. of the history of comedy music in a half hour show. Oh, that's great. Oh, I, I did. Uh, I did one show, it was in 1985, uh, in Kingston, New York, that's not too far from you, I don't think. No, not uh, too far. And, and as I found out a long time later, there in the audience, uh, at age 11, uh, there was his parents, was Jimmy Fallon. Wow. And that was the first concert he ever went to, uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> uh, with doctor with me doing my half hour show it was a beautiful old theater so i I remember it because of that and and also because a hurricane had blown through and the gig was almost canceled but the hurricane kind of just brushed the edge of kingston so the show went on wow so I, i remember it because of that and then then later uh when Jimmy Fallon, there was a big long piece on him in Vanity Fair magazine uh, when he took over at The Tonight Show. And uh, there was a couple of paragraphs about uh, how much he enjoyed the Dr. Demento show when he was a kid. Oh, that's so great. It, it must be an amazing feeling to have influenced all these really amazing comedians and comedy musicians. Yes, it does make me swell with pride a little bit. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I uh, you know, I I am a huge just comedy music fan. It's mostly what I listen to. I'm not really into classic rock or new stuff. And uh, okay. it's it's just it's really it's really great uh, to have people like you <laughs> making that possible for, you know, people like me who are demented as well. <laughs> well, you're most welcome, Ethan. Happy to do it. I mean, it was it's been a lot of fun for me, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing career. I I'm looking through uh, some of the timeline stuff, and uh, I had okay. some questions. These are, I guess, kind of more specific questions. But I, I know you did um, you've done a number of different iterations of the show. There was um, there was a best of the Doctor Demento on XM Radio. There was oh, yeah. the uh, Daily Dose of Dementia. Um, <laughs> Not too many folks remember that one. There's, uh, but, uh, so what, did you, were you part of those or was that like, uh, like a record company taking Oh yeah, I, I was and, involved. Okay. I was involved. That was the radio, the, the daily dose of dementia was something one of my, uh, radio syndicators thought up. Uh, he said, let's do a, a five minute feature for morning shows. And so I did. And oh, okay. It, it ran for, it ran for what, two, three years, something like that. And then it didn't run anymore. It's just the way things are. <laughs> right. And 
So, and then uh, the, the XM show, that ran for a couple of years, and uh, then, then we asked for a raise, and they said, no, we got our own comedy guys. Ugh. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah. I, 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 had, I had an odd problem with XM radio. Yeah. I mean, they, they carried that show for a while, but they said, uh, they, they said to me, you know, your stuff is too adult for our family channel and not dirty enough for our adult channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird <laughs> Did, so what could i say it, n- i mean that, if they'd offered if they'd offered me more money i would have done a show for them tailored to the particular level of cleanness or dirtiness that they wanted but they, they, they weren't willing to go that far they were they were shooting their whole wad on howard stern i guess okay hmm. now, but now anyway the- so now that you're so not restricted, a, since you are online, um, are you playing racier stuff? Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, like uh, when when the word when the s word comes up in the course of a normal song, I don't have to bleep it anymore. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, the the f word. Well, I, uh, my show now online it's rated. It's rated PG-13, so I go okay. by basically the guidelines that would be used uh, for a PG-13 movie. Like, uh, you can use the F word once or twice as long as, <laughs> as it is not specifically descriptive of a sexual act. I mean, the F word, as you know, is right. used in many other contexts besides specifically describing sex. Right. So, so but I, it, uh, I learned something interesting when when I first started being online only, I thought, oh, the sky's the limit. I can play all this racy stuff. But then I realized that uh, a lot of my audience is people who listen with their kids. Right. And so I struck that compromise uh, of keeping it PG-13. And about once a month or once every six weeks, I do bonus tracks where I play stuff that maybe is a little uh, more candid, more, more un uncensored than that mm-hmm. but but I, I run those at the end of the show and, and keep them separate uh, for for those who are listening with their kids that's great i i read i read that um a prior company when you were doing the um fm show that they wouldn't let you play it's a gas that's true because uh, no it wasn't it wasn't xm it was westwood one Okay. Uh, the, the major syndicator that I worked with from 19, let's see, what was, 1978 to, to 80, 1978 to 92, yeah, a long time. And uh, the chief executive of that company did not like things that had to do with bodily secretions and gross <laughs> noises. It was just his taste. I think he, he didn't want the show to seem like it was more juvenile. He wanted it to seem a little more adult. Of course. <laughs> so, and uh, he, was, he was paying the money, so, so It's a Gas went on a vacation for a while. That's too bad. It, it's a Gas is great. But the, the, they, were very, they were very liberal and tolerant about all kinds of things, so mm-hmm. I can't blame them. Just not the burping. <laughs> right. Yeah, he didn't like burping, and he didn't like things that featured little kids. He, he wasn't very fond of Dragnet Goes to Kindergarten, because it's hmm. narrated by a child. It was written, written by Steve Allen, but it was narrated by a child, so they didn't oh. like that that much. But, uh, 
but hey, that's that's the way it is. You you're right. working for somebody who's <laughs> paying your salary. Uh, you do the job that they expect, right. more or less. So there is never any uh, tension or anything because of what you couldn't play. Not really. No. That's good. In, in the past, and of course, we we went back and forth over. Uh, there was Frank Zappa's, and, and bleep this if you must, but it's Frank Zappa recorded this song called Tears and Beer. And on KMET in Los Angeles, it was the most popular Frank Zappa song that I played for a long time. <laughs> and But uh, we went back and forth over the word tease. There were earnest discussions about, uh, they had decided, no, we can't say tits on the radio, but maybe titties isn't quite as bad. <laughs> And then they got some complaints about it, so I had to take the titties out again. And I put in this cuckoo clock noise instead of the word titties. So cut that whole part out if you want. I don't know how your management is at at WCDB. (laughs) Of course, if you're on late in the evening, it might not matter. I mean, what are they going to do? It's my last show. (laughs) They're going to fire me. Good point. Good point there, Ethan. Yes. Now, has there been any, um, over the past 45 years, any extended period of time where you have not been doing the Dr. Demento show in some capacity? Or has it just been no. a nonstop? No, no, it, it's been nonstop. Could you ever see yourself it's, not doing it? Oh, if 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 I can't uh, stand up to the microphone and uh, <laughs> uh, can't, uh, can't put a show together that's good and entertaining, uh, then probably I wouldn't want to do it anymore. But uh, as, as long as I'm physically and mentally able to do it, I'm, I'm fine with keeping it going. That's I great. really don't know the life of not doing a show every week. Of course, I've never had the life of doing a show every day with the exception of a, a three-month stint in San Francisco very early in my career. Mm-hmm. I worked for a station for three months playing regular music. It was freeform, but it was not funny. So I did do that at one very early point in my career, 1971, KMPX in San Francisco, which has gone to radio heaven. <laughs> Seems like a lot of radio stations are going to radio heaven lately. Yeah. Usually the frequencies remain, but uh, the management of the station and often the call letters will change. Mm-hmm. So Now, in syndication and when you were doing your show, when it was syndicated... What was the time frame of recording the show to actually having it air? Was it a week or was it were you doing a month in advance? It varied from time to time. At, at Westwood One, it was as long as three weeks because they actually pressed the show up on LP records and that's how it was sent to stations. So that took a little time. Uh, right now, uh, I wrap up the show on Friday and it goes online the next morning. Oh, cool. Do you so, prefer having it coming out faster like that? Yes. Yeah, right. It can be more topical, more timely. Mm-hmm. Would you, so, in pre-recording, would you have to say stuff like referencing the date of when it was airing or anything like that? Would you have to be careful to not? Yeah, some, I'd have to watch for that sometimes, yeah. though. I'd usually try and not do as much stuff that's totally tied down to one day, for instance, or even one weekend, because mm-hmm. not every station played it on the same day. Right. Okay. There was recently the uh, there was a Kickstarter campaign for a documentary about your life. Has there been any? Um, oh yes. Is, have there been any other documentaries, or is this the first? Um, oh, that's guess, that's the first. The first one. That is the first. Yes. So and it, it's still going on. Uh, I can't tell you when it's going to be released, but we've got eighty hours of footage. Oh uh, wow. 
So, uh, it, it and some great interviews. So we're we're certainly looking forward to it coming out. But uh, we need to get a little more funding together. I, I say we because of course I'm very much involved in it, but it, it's not my company or anything like that. Oh, okay. So anyway, uh, I, I'm hoping that uh, that gets finished soon so everybody can see it because there's a yeah. lot of great stuff in it. Yeah, so I'd love to see. Looking it. forward to that. Mm-hmm. Under the smogberry trees. <laughs> Where does that title come from, Under the Smogberry Trees? Oh, that's what I used to say at the beginning of the show, and I've started saying it again now. It was just a... I I heard somebody else saying, Oh, here we are under the beautiful palm trees in Los, in sunny Los Angeles. (laughs) So it it was kind of a riff on that. I heard somebody else say something like that. It might have even been on TV, but... uh, Anyway, so I came up with Under the Smogberry Trees because in the <laughs> 70s, Los Angeles had a really severe smog problem. It, it's not right. as bad now, but it, it <laughs> used to be your eyes would burn when you'd go outside. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> it's great. much better now. <laughs> no, It's much um, better now because we're burning all that unleaded fuel. Right. <laughs> and soon maybe electric, which will be even less. Yes, right. Um, well, of course, the electricity has got to come from somewhere. They sometimes make that with coal, and that's just as dirty. <laughs> now, I, I'm interested to hear about your collection of, of music and records. You have like some extremely oh. rare things that um, I, I saw that uh, different record labels and uh, musicians have like come to you to, to uh, make copies oh, yeah. of. Mm-hmm, yes. How big so, is the collection? Yeah, lots, lots of old blues and country and Robert Johnson and Charlie Patton and people like that. And uh, But, of course, uh, what what is certainly most notable about my collection is all the funny stuff. Right. And, and those records are not necessarily worth uh, eye-popping sums of money, but uh, <laughs> it, it's great to have a resource like that. And, uh, I mean, I've got some of Weird Al's first tapes, and there's only one of those. Right. Unless he unless he kept copies, and I'm not sure he did. Right. What is the size of your collection? Over two hundred thousand, right? It's hundreds of thousands. I I don't have an exact figure for you, Ethan. That's amazing. Is it? But, is, but do you it, have it's, it? It's lots. Do you have it uh, categorized? Or? The, yeah, I'm standing in the midst of them right now. I mean, there's oh, yeah? a there's a building on on our property which uh, began life as a garage and it's been added onto and it's become my studio and my record room hmm. and uh, then some of the records are on off-premises storage too okay it's incredible there's only so much room yeah they take up <laughs> lots of room and they they weigh a lot <laughs> even CDs you get enough of them they weigh a whole lot yeah are you still adding to your collection uh, mostly just the stuff that comes in for the show these days. Mm-hmm. Though I, I still enjoy a, a little bit of contemporary music here and there, but in most cases I'll just be adding those digitally. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular artist that you collect? Uh, well, have... of course, the, the comedy giants from uh, Spike Jones to George Carlin. and uh, mm-hmm. I, I certainly try to be complete on people like that. Mm-hmm. To, ha- to have everything that they did in, in some form or another. When you're so, recording your show, are you still playing some stuff from vinyl? Or is it all digital at this point? Well, it, it, it all goes to digital at some point. Uh, because 
it, it's a little too cumbersome to actually play a 78 on, on the show and mm -hmm. que have it queued up perfectly and all that. Uh, so I will uh, transfer those to CD. I have specialized equipment. It takes a lot of different styli to make sure that all the different 78s play well. And uh, hmm. if I do them on digital, I can get rid of some of the pops and ticks and noise and things like that. Make sure they're at the right speed and all that stuff. So right. uh, there, there is certainly advantage an advantage to having it all digital. Uh, I haven't really put it all in the cloud or anything like that. I'm, I'm still a little bit old school in that uh, <laughs> most of what I play uh, is in the CD format, either uh, commercial CDs or ones that I've burned myself uh, on, on the same machine that I'm recording this interview on. It's hmm. a Tascam CD-RW900 <laughs> Mark II Professional <laughs> CD recorder. I mean, there's something just... Uh it, for me personally, something to having a physical thing that it's recorded on rather than just, you know, digital magnets. I definitely and... <laughs> agree uh, agree with you there, Ethan. I'm not necessarily one of those who is convinced that vinyl sounds better than any other format, but there is certainly something wonderful about having a, a good piece of music or comedy on mm -hmm. the original vinyl or on a, a, a well-done reissue, something like that. You know, right. the, being able to see the artwork uh, in full size and uh, to, to hold something in your hand that actually you can see uh, the, the, the undulations in the grooves and the different patterns of light uh, that reflect off the grooves. <laughs> uh, like if, if you are into staring at vinyl records as they play you can often kind of get an idea even without listening uh, what what sort of rhythm the music had like uh, anything wow. done with a drum machine makes very regular patterns that you can see in the light reflected off the grooves and that's true of any kind of disc record even 78s of course, they didn't have drum machines back then, but if you had a drummer who was very metronomic and kept real good time, you can see the very regular pattern in the light reflected off the grooves. Wow. You can also tell when the music speeds up or slows down, which happened a lot on older records before they had drum machines. So I, I've, never, tell, I've never can, looked too closely. That's a really cool thing. I'll have to okay. check that out. Well, <laughs> as you... People who are fascinated with records or any other kind of media uh, can get pretty obsessive about things like that, even more than I am. Yeah, I, I, I have a collection of records, but I, I don't think I've ever played any of them. I think I need to get a record player so I can check them yeah, out. Yeah, you, you need to get a record player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, you can get a pretty decent turntable for a couple hundred bucks. Right. Don't buy a Crosley. They're a junk. Crosley, okay. I'll stay away from it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> any, dec any decent... Uh, uh, actually, you can find real good turntables at uh, stores catering to DJs. Okay. They're kind of fading away since a lot of DJs have gone to using hard drives, but most right. stores that... Most big music stores that have a DJ department will still have some decent turntables, even ones that play 78s. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. Of course, for 78s, you've got to get separate styli if you want them to sound decent, but that's, that's another story that uh, uh, we probably don't need <laughs> to get into. But there again, you can, uh, you, you can find all you want to know about that online. Right. <laughs> what, what is the ultimate uh, novelty song? Is it Fish Heads? Well, the most popular one on my show would be Fish Heads, uh, beating out dead puppies by a nose. Mm -hmm. 
Now they're coming to take me away. Ha ha is also right up there. Uh, Weird Al is the most popular artist. There's no doubt about that. Right. Is there an ultimate one to you that you just, when you think of your show, what one song comes to mind? Uh, I can't go beyond what the audience has acclaimed. Uh, at any mm-hmm. given time, I'll probably like something new. If there's something right. new that comes out and it's real good, then that'll be my favorite song for a while. <laughs> it's a good answer. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I just, you know, this has been amazing. I want to ask you um, about your... You've had so many cameos and really cool things. You've been on um, The Simpsons and all the all those different Weird Al videos, UHF. Um, what was your experience like doing the the cameos? Well, it was it was different. The The Simpsons was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, when they when they do a show like that, the very first thing they do after they've written the script, they do the voices. Mm-hmm. The animation comes later. So okay. There were all the cast members in street clothes sitting in chairs in a semicircle, each one with a mic and each one with a, a music stand holding their script. Mm-hmm. So they go through the script from beginning to end uh, doing very frequent retakes. They'll do each line maybe three or four times till oh. everybody's happy with it. Then they'll go on to the next line. And uh, so... Uh, my part in The Simpsons, it was at the very beginning of the show, so we did that first. And uh, then I was able to sit there and watch them do the rest of it, which took a couple hours maybe. And uh, then we all uh, shook hands and uh, autographed stuff for each other and uh, said goodbye, <laughs> and that, that was it. And it was it was lots of fun. That's uh, awesome. The, the Weird Al videos, of course, they were all different, but uh, generally each one took at least a day. Okay. So, uh, so I'd... Uh, put on my suit or whatever I was wearing and uh, I'd do my part and then I'd hang around while they did the other parts and uh, so but but they were all different of course <laughs> and I and, and I guess I lost on Jeopardy is the one where I have the most FaceTime on screen yeah <laughs> I always loved uh, uh, and, it, almost the same uh, way that in the new superhero movies you're always looking for Stan Lee when you're watching a Weird Al video, you want to be looking for Dr. Demento. Right. Uh, and then, uh, of course, in UHF, uh, I have a small part. My part in that was going to be a little bit longer, but uh, uh, they, they had to do a lot of cutting in that movie because no, nobody wanted a two-and-a-half-hour uh, light comedy for young people, so, <laughs> so they had to cut a lot of stuff. So, so it, it wound up being just a very brief cameo, but uh, I had a little bit longer part originally. What was it supposed to be originally? Oh, it involved uh, it involved me with shaving cream and and my I, I had a couple of <laughs> some sort of an interaction with with uh, Michael Richards as the janitor. Uh, we had a, 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 a little back and forth dialogue. Oh, that's great. I, I can't remember all of it now. Anyway, it was, <laughs> but the, there were a lot of good things that wound up on the cutting room floor. It, it wound up being a real good movie. So yes, and. Uh, I got a free trip to Tulsa for that. You know, all, <laughs> now the, the most of the interiors were done in Tulsa, uh, and what they did was there was a department store that had shut down. They were in a recession in, in all through the oil country that year. Okay. So they found this whole department store in this mall 
that had been closed. And so it was just this big empty space that they, that they could get relatively cheaply and uh, put all their sets and things up uh, and, uh, and do their movie and with relatively little time pressure. So, so that, that was a good thing for them. And maybe the nicest thing, uh, it was in the middle of the summer and it was 105 degrees and 95% humidity. So the nicest thing was uh, the abandoned department store was at one end of this mall and our hotel was at the other end. So we did not have to go outside when we went back to the hotel. Hmm. So that was that was UHF wow. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> some, some of the interiors were done in L.A., but most of it in Tulsa. And, and that was uh, fun being there and watching the other scenes that were done and uh, watching them get together mm-hmm. and have their conference, watching the dailies after each day's shooting, which uh, anybody who's ever made a movie will tell you about that. Right. Yeah. It's, been a, it's been an amazing career, Dr. Demento. I re- oh, yes. And uh, Ethan, uh, I'm honored to be on what is unfortunately your last show, but may you go on to greater heights in the future, wherever the future <laughs> takes you. May you, you always be around joy and laughter and fun. <laughs> Comedy Pipe Radio. And, uh, <laughs> and don't forget to stay demented. Thank you once again to Dr. Demento for joining us all the way from August 2015. And thank you, Ethan, for sharing this amazing interview from your archives. Be sure to head over to drdemento.com to subscribe to his weekly show and check out all the great stuff his website has to offer, including that awesome merchandise. Okay, well, I think we have this one and then one more Dazzle ad, and then we are done and can finally go back to sharing the magical information about the amazing, amazing town of Darwin. (sighs) This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Dazzle, promoting tourism in Dazzle, Minnesota. Not only is historic Dazzle, Minnesota a town, it also... Has its own world-around thing to look at. Hey, you know how Darwin, Minnesota has not only the biggest ball of twine built by one man, it also has dozens upon dozens of world-class businesses and establishments of which you and your family could spend months visiting and enjoying? Well, obviously, but aren't we supposed to talk about... Dazzle? Yeah, 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 I'm getting there. Okay, okay, we'll make it quick. So, you may be thinking, wow... Darwin has everything and more. But you know what Darwin does not have? A mushroom building. A mushroom building? Yep. Like a tiny building the size of a mushroom? Nope. I mean, like the size of the houses that Smurfs live in? Still nope. Like, is it a building made out of mushrooms? Nope. Is it a mushroom that is building something? Nope. Is it a building with a bunch of rooms filled with... Mush? Nope. Is it just a building that looks kind of like a mushroom? Ding, ding, ding! That's right. Dassel, Minnesota is home to a building that looks kind of like a mushroom. I mean, so what? Isn't there a building down the street from you in New Jersey that kind of looks like a mushroom? So visit Dassel, Minnesota on your next expedition. You know, if you really must. And after you visit Dassel, Minnesota... Uh, we're obligated to mention that discoverdassel.biz is also a website, I guess. I don't know. Never went there. Don't care to. 
Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Jackson Scoggins, Jack Bateman, and Mark Heidenreich. And it's also brought to you by the less-than-incredible Discover Dassel. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend-level Patreon supporters, Javier, UH Jeff, Kenneth, Matthew, Mike, Nancy, NES Josh 64, Rim Jams, Jared and Rocky, Scott, Zeb, Adriana, Ajax, Allison, Blair, Gus and Alicia, and Jake. And also thank you to Dave and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our freakishly, fantastically, family-friendly, wonderful, wild, wacky, weird Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your own private RSS feed, and access to secret episodes. And now would be a great time to join if you haven't already, because you will be the very first to hear our The Unfortunate Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent, Ill-Advised, Vanity Tour, Concert Review, Bonus Episodes! And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. We know what you're thinking. It's the middle of September. So what better time to start your Christmas shopping? Fill everyone's stockings with Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast-related tchotchkes. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rump to Goody-related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past episodes and guests over at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And while you are there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Bonus Episodes to follow along with our adventures on tour, or Black and White and Weird All Over Bonus Episodes for our special series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his first book, page by page and picture by picture. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you're subscribed because it not only helps the podcast, it helps those little microscopic mites that live in your eyebrows suffer unfortunate yet amusing early demises. Plus, we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your message in a future episode. Thank you once again to this episode's guest, Dr. Demento, joining us all the way from 2015. We also want to thank Alternative to Sleeping with Ethan Allman, WCDB 90.9 FM in Albany, New York, Comedy Pipe Radio, Ethan Allman, Carrie Ann Hudson at Carrie Hudson on Instagram, Joe Jaffa, Jackson Scoggins, Cat O'Carroll, UH Jeff Nucera, Justin Waldman, Izzy, Blair Freeman, Scott Sorensen, Matthew Trajanaki at 1984 Publishing, Polyester, Chad Kelson, aka Metal Al, Heather, aka Spunky Siren, at Lego underscore customs underscore 2005 on Instagram, Will King, Kim Dower, and John Bermuda Schwartz. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, 
Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you all for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. And until next time, remember to gill and chill. Ethan, I had a lot of fun watching that video that you recorded at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. But please tell me, you didn't actually go to the bathroom in there, did you? Well, I mean, it was actually quite a long drive, Dave. Of course I did. No! How could you desecrate such a holy location from Weird Al's career? I mean, Dave, it is a bathroom. Other people used it while I was there, too. They what?! That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 172-inch. We're using Ethan's old material when we're too busy. Your stuff is too adult for our family channel and not dirty enough for our adult channel. <laughs>